Axis Mundi. Axis Mundi. Welcome to a special episode of Three White America Jesus, Hanging with Dan and Brad. There used to be a show called Hanging with Mr. Cooper. This is Hanging with Dan and Brad. I don't know, Dan. I'm already into the dad jokes. I don't know if you want to like call this car. What did you want to call it? Carbon shorts and minivan? Okay. Or anyway. So hello, Dan. How are you? I'm good. I guess it'd be like cargo shorts and Corollas or something for me. Like got to get that yeah. kind of in there. Yeah, we're fine. Looser yeah. even than normal and, you know, our first ever little thing. So cheers. Yeah, Dan's, Dan's drinking a beer. I'm I just want to point out it is later so, where I am than where you are. So I feel like that that's kind of important. I'm drinking a seltzer. I I quit drinking alcohol during the pandemic. I felt like the pandemic was going to push me either to drink like five drinks a night because pandemic or to not drink at all. And I chose the second one and... I haven't started breaking in We're going to be a little looser on our uh, special episode here. A little more meandering, I would say. Doesn't mean we're going to be aimless. See, do you see the, the nice picture I'm painting there? We're not going to be aimless. We are going somewhere. But we're going to meander a little bit. We're going to take our time. First of all, thank you all for listening. Thank you for being subscribers. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you're in the Discord. Hope you're drinking a beer like Dan is. Or a peach seltzer water like me. Uh, and, you know, just... Cannot say how thankful I am for this sweetie. Really, really am. So, Dan, let's start with God's will. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Tell us about God's will and getting arrested. Yeah, so this is this is like one of my, I don't know, like religion Americana stories. I used to share this story with folks in the UK, and they were like, what? Like, what What are you talking about? That's a real story. So to set the stage, I'm I'm like, you know, thinning, shaved head, whatever. But when I was in college, I also had a shaved head. But back then, I was this big kind of burly guy. I was Mr. Super Evangelical Christian guy. But Brad, I think this will make sense to you. I know that to some of our listeners, it will make sense. Others will be like, I don't understand the world you're talking about. But within the kind of evangelical subculture, I was like the badass Christian guy. So like, I was the guy who was like super Christian but I could bench press like 300 pounds and like I wore combat boots and had a shaved head and a tattoo and like earrings. And like, that was, that was a thing. So, I mean, you're laughing, but like you get this and that Christian, like you had the Ned Flanders and then you had like me who was like the, look, you can be Christian and cool. And like, I only listened to Christian music, but it was all like Christian hardcore and thrash metal and stuff. And I would go to like concerts and like do like mosh pits and get my nose bloodied and like right so it was like that kind of whatever and I was I was a pretty I was a much more imposing figure than my sort of Teletubby middle-aged self so anyway all of that's that's relevant because I went home for the weekend one time in college I think I was like a junior in college and setting the stage again small town Arkansas so I graduated high school from this little town of like 3,500 people in rural Arkansas. Uh, I'm not kidding. 
our mascot was the hillbillies. Like that was the name of our mascot. Okay. So just real quick. First of all, I was using the bad mic there for a minute. So friends, if the audio quality just got better, we're meandering, we're looser. And you might've noticed. All right. I, I have not had any beer, but I was using the wrong mic. All right. Dan, so I just want to get this straight. You go home from your Christian college to your high school. Your high school mascot is the Hillbillies. But I want to know what you're wearing. Like, so we already know that you're like, what, 6'1". You can bench press 350 pounds. You are the, hey, I am a hard, hard, hardcore Christian. I'm going to go to Southern Baptist Seminary guy. I have unflinching moral Christian morals. But I am like... Hard. I'm. I'm like a, a straight edge hardcore guy. So and, like, and you can be cool. You can be Christian, and you can be cool. It was that kind of Christian counterculture, parallel culture. Kind what, of but thing. like, what are you wearing at this football game? Like, paint us the picture of like twenty year old. So I'm, I'm wearing combat boots, and like, <laughs> it's true. Pair of jeans. I have a wallet with a chain, and yes. this this part's this part's even more embarrassing. On one side. On the other side, I have a Bible with a chain. So I would carry this Whoa. like this flower. Yeah. And I'm wearing like, it's like, I don't know, maybe October, November. Maybe. So it's cool-ish. So I'm wearing like, you know, uh, I think I was wearing like a fleece or a probably a flannel shirt like I am now or, you know, something like that. The shaved head, the whole like whatever. I would wear do-rags then and stuff and, you know, whatever. So. That that's me. That's what I'm dressed as. So I go to this game again, 3,500 people, little town. The mascot is the hillbillies. The pastor of my church is the mascot. He would run up and down the sidelines with a shotgun that he would fire uh, when the team scored and stuff. This is all relevant. It's all relevant to the story. It's all setting the stage. I promise I'm going to get to God's will. What what part of Arkansas is this? It's Northwest Arkansas. So it's about so this right is on. Like, in- you're going to get to Memphis in like an hour from here. No. Yeah, or a couple. It's it's closer to Oklahoma. So like if you uh okay. it's about about thirty minutes from the Oklahoma border. So if anybody's familiar on I forty, you cross the border you're at Fort Smith and then you get to, to little Ozark. That was Oh awesome. northwest, not northeast. Sorry. Okay, yeah, northwest. northwest. Yeah. All right. Yeah, going to Oklahoma, not going to Tennessee. Yep. All right, got it. So uh yeah, so I'm I'm there and my brothers are playing in this game and it's a big game. Whoever wins is gonna go to the playoffs and who doesn't win is like their season's done high school football game, whatever, and it's not going well for my brother's teams. Bad officiating and stuff. The crowd is murderous, nah, you know, whatever. And it it, it becomes clear that they're going to lose, and, and they do. And so, like, the last couple minutes, I'm there with my mom. Like, I'm home for the weekend. I'm visiting. I'm hanging out with my mom. I'm like, I'm going to go wait in the parking lot so I can, like, kind of beat the crowd, whatever. So I go to the parking lot. This is all relevant. And it's the parking lot with like the herringbone parking spaces, right? So like the cars face each other at a kind of an angle. And I'm out there standing there and I'm standing at an empty parking space with my back to the stadium. And I'm just waiting and like the lights turn on behind me. So the car like kind of facing the lane. And this is where I'm a stupid 20, 21 year old. I should have just like not done this. But I turn around and this vehicle like right across from me is like, it's got its lights on, it's running. And in my head, I'm like, this person, instead of backing out like they're supposed to and driving around, they're going to come through this spot that I'm standing in. And that annoys me. So I'm going to stand here. And sure enough, they drive right up next to me, like literally like the van brushes up against me. And all of a sudden, the van stops and it opens up and it's all the officials from the game. It's like their van, right? And they're out and they form this circle around me. And they're like poking me in the chest. And the guy's like, you just keyed my van. I was like, what are you talking about? Key your van? 
He's like, you keyed my van. I saw you key my van. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't do anything to your van. You just like hit me standing here in your parking lot. I didn't do anything. So one of them runs off to go get a cop. He's going to get the police and report me for keying his van. And I, I should have just left. I was parked like three blocks away. I should have just gone to my car, but I didn't do anything. So I'm like, I'm going to stand here in the righteousness of my whatever. So here comes this Ozark cop. And I don't fit the stereotype of the rural Arkansas Ned Flanders Christian guy. So he comes up. He's like, what's going on? They're like, you keep my van. I'm like, I didn't do anything. He's like, do you know it's illegal to threaten high school athletic officials? I was like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't threaten anybody. I'm just like, I'm, st- I'm standing in this parking lot. He's like, it's against the law to even intimidate. I'm like, I, I'm just me standing in a park. That's all I'm doing. He goes, put your hands on the vehicle. I was like, what? So I put your hands on the vehicle. I'm like, not to tell me why. He's like, you're under arrest. That's why. I'm like, all right. So like, hands on the vehicle. He handcuffs me. I'm standing there. The officials are still like yelling at me and stuff and whatever. But by now, Brad, the game's over and fans are starting to come out. So this is like embarrassing. This is going on. I'm like, uh, good evangelical me. I'm like, I'm going to ruin my witness. People are going to think I'm bad. They're going to think I did something. But instead, I'm in this little town. Like everybody knows me. I'm the little preacher kid. I preach sermons at the local churches. I This, this is me. So after a while, my mom shows up. She's like crying and stuff because I'm like arrested and like I'm not a minor. So there's nothing she can do. And she's crying about it. But after a while, here comes here comes my pastor, the pastor of my church dressed as the hillbilly. And he's talking to the cop. Well, he has a gun. I'm I'm getting scared now. He has a gun. (laughs) He's got all of that. He's talking to the cop trying to figure out what's going on. And like my brothers are there. They've come out like half the football team, some of whom I played with, the young guys on the team. I had been on the team when I was like a senior and they were like freshmen and that kind of thing. So they're out there. So this whole crowd is like there. I'm like handcuffed. The cop is kind of figuring out that like maybe I didn't do anything. He runs my license. There's nothing there. The guy I used to work for in my high school job is like, did anybody check the van and see if there are scratches on it? And, you know, it's it's a minivan. It's a family minivan. It's all kind of beat to hell, whatever. So this is going on. It's been like an hour and I'm still out there. I'm still handcuffed. And now the youth pastor from the church shows up. Okay. Small town Americana church thing. So the youth pastor would drive a van load of youth group kids to the game every week. So there's like 15 youth group kids who are there and the youth pastor there who'd been my youth pastor. And he's like, I'm not leaving until we get this straightened out. But see, Brad, this is where it kicks in because people start praying for my deliverance. So the youth group forms a circle around me and they're like holding hands and some of them are crying and stuff and they're praying. They're like all praying like out loud for my deliverance and stuff. And this cop is there like wondering what in the world is like he's gotten himself into. They start singing Kumbaya. I'm not, I'm not even kidding. Like they, they sit down. It's like a protest. They sit down and they're singing Kumbaya for my deliverance. The football coach comes out and he's just swearing a blue streak at this cop, like, like actively threatening this cop that like he knows where he lives and stuff. And I'm a good kid. And he like all this stuff. This goes on for like an hour and a half. Eventually I was, uh, I was, I was released. I was charged with criminal mischief in the second degree, uh, which was later dropped. Um, I didn't do anything. I did not key the vehicle. But here's the thing. People start talking to me about how this is God's will. God's will for my life was to be there in that moment, to be a witness to persecution. I'm now a persecuted Christian. I am persecuted for my appearance. I'm a witness for Christ and the injustice of it all and so on and so forth. So this is just one story where the the takeaway for the Christians is not 
hey kid you're like 20 like maybe just move just just let the van drive by like just do that or these officials have had a really bad game uh they're feeling pretty freaked out because they've had fans yelling at them for two hours and they think that they threw the game and like whatever and they just want to get out of there go to their families whatever nope it's this was god's will this is this is what god had you there to do all of that to say it's this ridiculous story it illustrates for me so much about like religion in america um i couldn't the the kumbaya part people are like that couldn't have happened i'm like no it, it happened um I, I, I had people, so this was like on a, a Friday night, because that's when high school football is. So I'm still in town on Sunday, so I go to church, and this, I've got people coming up and congratulating me for being such a warrior for Christ, and following God's will, and being where God wanted me to be, and all of this. And at the time, man, this, this all makes sense to me. This resonates with me. I was like, it was a rough night. I thought it was going to be bad, but it was God's plan. God wanted me there to, to do what? To like stand in a parking lot and like have Detective Kirksey, that was the cop who arrested me, have him like hassle me for a while or what? So I'll let you do what you want with that. <laughs> There's, it's a silly example. We can look at real examples. I got another so example much. about the 2000 election, but like mm. that's on, on a really popular level an everyday lived Christian experience level. That's the kind of thing where, where oftentimes no matter what happens, whatever it is, it was God's will. I am. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I think what, so I, I, it, it's a ridiculous story. I think the, the takeaway, if we want to have a serious point here is like, there's only you know, one. I'm well, interested. I mean, there, I have a lot of more things I want to say here, but so first thing is if, if the kids pray, so everyone's in a circle, they're praying kumbaya, the youth pastor, the senior pastor, the, the everyone's there. It's God's will that they let you go. So they, they prayed and it had an effect. Why else would you pray? And you got let go and you didn't go to jail and you didn't whatever. Great. If you do go to jail, that's God's will. And uh, you're an even more witness for Christ or you're right. And I guess, you know, I see a lot of memes like this. I, I think it's a point that a lot of people understand intuitively, but it, it's basically one of those situations where. A lot of a lot of conservative Christians want to say if something good happens, it's God's will. And everything bad that happens is the fault of human beings and and something. So I think that's one, you know, like with Mike Johnson, he really got put on the hot seat because he had to go on the on the record saying, yes, that was God's will, I guess, that Joe Biden became president. And then he's got to go answer all these questions from people all over the country. Like, why would God's will be that Joe Biden is president? You know, this is they, in their minds. He's stealing the country in their minds. Donald Trump lost the, uh, you know, had had the presidency stolen from him, blah, blah, blah. But it also just shows the in incoherency of this kind of thinking. And I think you and I are the kinds of people, at least at least I was in college, who was like, you know, I'm going to use my co college years to work out some questions I have about theology. One is like God and time, you know, is God and time, like God created everything, but he knew everything beforehand. But like he lets us have free will, but we kind of don't. And you know, I, I remember being a, a college freshman, sophomore, just being so into like the question of God and time. But then there's also a the question of God's sovereignty, which is not unrelated, which is, does God have control of everything or does he not? If he doesn't, does he mean he's less of a God? These are all the, if you're listening, you know, some of you know, these are the gateway drugs to like open theology, process theology. I mean, these are the gateway drugs to like 
that that's that fringe stuff on that's right on the fringes of evangelicalism. And sometimes you get like the theology professor who's allowed to teach it, but it's not it's not going to lead you back to like orthodox evangelicalism. So there's this line that Nietzsche has where he says that Christianity sort of sowed the seeds of its own undoing by saying that you should seek the truth. And and for intellectual types like us, that can be true when you start really plumbing down into like, okay, so how, how do we square this? circle because like for for those who don't know like, like here's how it works to the high school kid to the young adult whatever trying to figure these things out that that a typical piece of that is yes god is sovereign nothing happens that god doesn't want to have happen immediate like obvious clear question is like wait a minute what about like sin what about human sinfulness and bad things did god want that to happen what about the Holocaust? What about, I mean, there's yeah, all the, the, yeah. the whatabouts and it's called, you know, arguments of so-called theodicy, free will and determinism and yeah. on and on and on. So the, the real knee jerk reaction, the simple reaction to that is say, well, God doesn't cause everything that happens. He could, he's God. If he wanted to dictate everything, he could, but he foreknows everything that'll happen. Yeah. He has foreknowledge. The problem with this is that on all of these theologies, God is what we could call a most perfect being, which means he has perfect knowledge which means he can't be wrong about stuff. So if he knows that something's going to happen, if he foresees it, it has to happen that way because he can't have been mistaken, which then brings you back to, okay, so like I did what I did and I felt that I acted freely and so on and so forth. But if God knew from like the foundation of the world that I was going to do that, could it really be that way? Brings up God in time. That's a kind of a different thing. But like here with these kids, so like you talk about prayer. So does prayer do anything or not? Yeah, that, yeah. Do we pray because God tells us to pray? If we pray and then God does what we are praying for, does it really mean that God responded to us and did it? Did God change God's mind? Did God do that? Or was it just God's will that we pray because you're supposed to do that? Or was God always going to do it in the same way? It's a test like, you know, with Abraham and Isaac, and he's just testing your faithfulness and you pass the test, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's those kind of things. And you're right about the, the gateway drug thing. Um, what moved me into theology in seminary, I did a paper about all the passages in the Hebrew Bible. There's one particular verb where it says that God changes his mind or repents or regrets yeah, things. Sure. And I was like, yep, that okay. Yep, all that foreknowledge stuff, gone. Doesn't work. Whatever. But all that to say that we move it up into, it's funny, it's youth group kids are praying, they're happy because they did something faithful and I was delivered and it was God's will or whatever. <laughs> Talk about Mike Johnson. Or, or uh, years later in the 2000 election, I, I think I've talked about this before too. I, in this closeted way, I voted for for Gore and not Bush, and is very out of step with like evangelicals. And I'm in this evangelical seminary when the Supreme Court closed down the recounts in Florida and basically handed the election to Bush and so forth. I went in, and there's another prayer circle. Me in the prayer circles. It's a circle of like seminary students this time. And they're all praying. They're thanking God for making sure that his will was done and George W. Bush was elected and so forth. And I didn't like argue with that because I was this kind of claw. I wasn't going to tell anybody I'd voted for a Democrat, but I wasn't going to like join the prayer circle. And I'm, I'm getting some coffee nearby. So I said, like, do you want to join? It's like, yeah, I got to get ready for class. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, but God's will, we got to really, you know, praise the sovereignty of God and that his will was done. And I, I said, isn't God's will always done? Because I mean, that's what this guy is. He's like, of course. I'm like, so the last eight years of Clinton have been God's will too. And then like, there's no answer to that. Or God always wins. It's like, well, yeah, but it was God's will so that we'd see how bad things are and vote for Bush or, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. whatever. It just becomes completely incoherent. 
I no, I agree. I mean, these are the kinds of questions that lead to deconstruction. They lead people to like you know really because the center doesn't hold. You know, the more you pick, the more you pick, that the more you realize this it does not hold together. Let me give you one on this that uh, sticks out. So I I like like you was all in on pro life abortion. No abortion is murder, and I've talked about this on the show. And I remember, I remember discussing this with a friend uh, later on in life who, who had also been in this same space. And he actually taught high school at a Christian high school, kind of when he got to the place of doubt and deconstruction, you know, the, the, being a smart aleck like you just were in the prayer circle at seminary and that kind of stuff. And he had kids coming up to him, asking him, I think, to give money or, or uh, do something for a, a pro-life cause. And his response, and I think this is like almost got him fired from the Christian school he, he taught, was, "Look, um, you know, if if a child is born, are they born into original sin?" And the answer is yes. So, if a child is born, the very first breath they take, evangelical theology—I mean, especially Calvinist theology—but but just broad evangelical theology is like they're sinful. Like my my baby daughter when she was born four months ago. After her first breath, condemned to hell for sin because she's a fallen being. Okay. So the the dude goes on and he's like, so, you know, you guys want to stop abortion, but where do aborted babies go? Because they don't have a choice. And I think that from what I understand, if you don't have a choice and you you are not sinful and you never actually enter the world in flesh you go to heaven because you didn't have a choice whether or not to accept Christ. So you're good. And they were like, yeah, that sounds right. And he was like, so shouldn't we want everyone to be aborted? (laughs) And it gets, so that (laughs) it's, it's pretty slick. And what like, and especially with high school kids, it's like, that's just going to blow their, their, their brain is going to blow up. But we talked just a minute ago about the incoherency for me What that, story brings up is the nihilism. Because one of the things that I, the, here's the kick I got on, Dan, my last years in evangelicalism, the kick I got on was like, you know, it seems like all we care about is like Jesus being born Christmas day and then Jesus dying. It could have been executed as an infant. Done. It, it seems like his life meant nothing. Uh-huh. And I was, I got on this huge deal. I mean, if you would known me then I was, I'm always an annoying person, but I was super annoying in terms of like, I was reading every Christological piece of theology I could find that affirmed the life of Christ as a good thing. Like, hey, Jesus was in the world. Jesus had a body. Jesus was like wandering in this thing we call flesh like us. Why don't we like learn from that? You know, I was very, I mean, that led me into reading like Episcopalians and Catholics and mystics, others who had Eastern like, Orthodox. East, yeah. Oh man, I, I, I considered, you know, many of my friends, I mean, you, you know, you have your friends. I got about a dozen friends who are still Orthodox, and they they converted from evangelicalism as a result of this way of thinking. What's the point? Part of me just felt like, I think we're kind of nihilistic because we just are into death. It's just everyone's sinful. Everyone needs to repent. There's no beauty. There's no wonder. There's no Jesus' life was beautiful. Jesus' life was wondrous. It's just this death, 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 death. And to me, that abortion high school story, it really uncovers that in like a 30 second vignette. Like if it's better for no babies to be born, so all the babies go to heaven, why be born at all? And you know, you can go on a long theological sojourn of like, 
whatever god creation and fallenness you can do it you can you can your friend wayne grudem could sit here if, if he was here and do a five-hour re retort to that but there is there is in there a sense of like it almost seems like not being born is better what kind of fucking theology is that what kind of theology tells you it's better if you were never born? Thanks for listening to this free preview of our Swag episode. In order to get access to the full episode and so much more, become a Straight White American Jesus premium subscriber by clicking the link in the show notes. It'll take you like two clicks, I promise. In addition to getting access to this episode, you'll have access to the entire Swag archive, over 550 episodes. You'll also get an extra episode every month bonus content every week, Discord access, and so much more. All that for less than six bucks a month, and it helps us keep our flag up and continue to safeguard democracy from religious nationalism, extremism, and rising authoritarianism. Check it out. It's not hard, I promise.